Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron, and I am grateful, yes, super grateful that you are here with me today. It is hard to believe that it is already the first week in November. Again, I have no idea how this year is going by so quickly, but I love November. I love it leading into the holidays. We just finished Halloween, had so much fun. I also love Halloween. So I hope you enjoyed yourself. And, you know, leading into this time of November and December, of November really being a month of gratitude. We celebrate Thanksgiving, which is a one-day holiday, and kind of November has come to represent this month of gratitude. But how often are you really incorporating gratitude into your life? This is definitely the theme this month of really being grateful, grateful for everything that we have, everything that we are, and I can't think of a better way to kick off this month with the theme of gratitude than with my next guest. I'm proud to welcome to the show, Daniel Mangena. He's an international speaker. He's a best-selling author. He's a broadcaster, and he's also a coach. He's best known for his highly successful Micro to Millions program. And also, he's the author of Stepping Beyond Intention. He, in addition to that, he also has um, a podcast called Do It With Dan and another podcast called Beyond Success. And Dan brings so much wisdom and so much soul to our conversation. I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation. You know, you just meet those people and you're like, they are just a good person and they have so much to offer. That's exactly how I felt about my conversation with Daniel. And His mission in life and his mission statement for his business is to really spearhead an evolutionary uplift in universal consciousness by awakening people to the importance of their unique role and enabling them to manifest their dream life. I mean, who doesn't want that, right? (laughs) And the thing I love about Daniel is he really goes from this idea of intention and taking it to action. So it's What is beyond our intention? Well, that's where it comes into putting it into action. And as you listen to the conversation I have with Daniel, he brings up a couple of points. So many. I mean, there's so many to list here. But one of the things that he said that really paused, I I took pause, is, are you settled into settling? Are you settled into settling? I think that's so provocative to think about where are you settling and where are you settled into settling? And, you know, when oftentimes we're settling, we're procrastinating. And another thing he brings up in the episode is, you know, what are you procrastinating towards? Maybe your procrastination is actually a sign that you need rest. Or maybe it's your fear coming up. So I love this idea. And I would love for you to think about your own life when you're listening to this podcast and think about where are you settled into settling? And where do you need to go beyond intention to actually take action to do something and to do something different? And if after you listen to the episode, 
you want to actually take action, I invite you to the new Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab, which is starting January 6th. So head on over to womenleadingpowerfully.com and you can check out all the details. And I also highly suggest that you get a copy of Daniel's book called Stepping Beyond Intention. So read the book, take action. And then if you're looking for that community to put it into practice, come play with us at the Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab starting January 6th. We would love to have you, but let's just have a conversation about it. And maybe in that conversation, we figure out where you have settled into settling. And let's not do that. So I can't wait for you to be inspired by this conversation that I have with Daniel. Let's dive in and listen to the wisdom, the soulfulness, and just the insight of Daniel's powerful story and how he turned that into a lifelong journey of learning and sharing it with others. So let's dive into the conversation. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. Dan, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here today and looking forward to our conversation. And me, and me, and me. This has been, uh, this has been, we had a little bit of a ride to getting into it, but we're, we're here, we're set. We've got a puppy, we've got a baby, we've got two humans, <laughs> and real life. So let's go. <laughs> right? Exactly. It is. It's real, real COVID life, right? Exactly. So, and just um, as I said that, Ethan's now singing, so he's probably finished eating. So, <laughs> you know what? I actually love it because it is, it's real life. Mm-hmm. And this is where we're at right now in COVID environment. And um, it's so interesting, just to digress a little bit, is You know, for years when I was working in corporate, you know, it was hide the kids, don't, don't say anything, you know, the kids need to be quiet. And I actually love the, that COVID has made us all more accessible in terms Mm -hmm. of our real lives. Mm -hmm. You know, people get to see the kids and the cat and the COVID dog and everything else behind us. And I actually love that because I feel like it makes all of us uh, more real and more relatable. Mm. It's forced authenticity, I think. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. more. Authentic, yeah, which is like a positive. So, right. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. So, Dad, we'd love for you to share with my audience a little bit about yourself, your story, and why you're doing the work you're doing today. Mm. So, the funny thing is, I've never actually, I actually thought about this the other day. I've never had a corporate job. Never. I've never had to answer to a corporate boss. The closest that I came to corporate. I think was when I was considering going for the supervisor role at a job when I was 27. And I explained about that when I told the the timeline of the story. And my girlfriend at the time said that she would leave me if I went for that. (laughs) What was her reasoning? Uh, Because I would have been selling myself short and I was actually Mm. sliding into settling. And, um, and again, when I told the full story, that'll make more sense. But I was sliding into settling for less than at the time. 
because the purpose of the job was just to sustain me as I was rebuilding my life and setting up another business. I went around and turned to building that business up to doing um, over a million pounds a year before I left that to come and do what I do now. But I very, very, very nearly gave the energy that should have been going into what I was creating to someone else. And there's nothing wrong with giving energy to someone else. And I know I'm taking the long route around. I'm going to tell the story. There's nothing wrong yeah, with that. Yeah, no, it's fine. But it's really about honoring what you're called to do. I think a lot of people are trying to be entrepreneurs, aren't necessarily an entrepreneur. And that if people were perhaps in a career that was more aligned with them or approaching a career in a more balanced way that allowed them to still have something left for themselves at the end of the day, maybe we wouldn't have such of a an exodus out of corporate maybe the culture of corporate as a whole might change and allow us to be authentic humans versus forcing us to be little robots in our little gray boxes. <laughs> and maybe the world might not have so many miserable people in it. You know, that's my thought and my digression, but I'm Dan Mangena. I'm uh, born and raised in East London in the UK and now live in Cabo in Mexico, as we were talking about earlier. I've been here for three years. Uh, I have a wife, my Russian American, so that's interesting. We've got this interesting cultural mix in the house. <laughs> um, uh, I have a five-year-old stepdaughter turning six. I have a 10 and a half month old baby boy. I'm one of five of my mum's kids, but my dad's actually got more kids. I've actually got 15 siblings, <laughs> which is a wow. very, very big family. My parents yeah. emigrated from Zimbabwe and Southern Africa to the UK in the 70s. Interestingly, they weren't economic migrants. They were education migrants. They were going to go and step up and get more education. That's what they went for. So when I tell that part of the story, you're going to understand the importance. So I actually made and lost two multi-million pound fortunes by the age of 23 years old. I uh, walked away from my degree after one year to go and start the first business. That did really well. And then I lost everything. And then I went and started another business that did really well. And then everything got stolen. And then I hit rock bottom. And when I say rock bottom, I mean that the only reason why I didn't actually attempt a suicide is because I had such little self-belief in myself at the time that I thought I'm going to fail at that. And I didn't want to be the loser that couldn't even take his own life. Oh my God. What actually ended up happening off the back of that was I set off on a mission to work out what was wrong with the way that I approached things so that I could fix it and pull off my suicide and not fail. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to rebuild my life and fix it. But this is the crazy thing about the mind. The mind operates instinctively based on the inputs. So I spent a couple of years where I was going back over the books I'd read before, going over tapes, learning stuff, understanding it, because I wanted to understand what I'd done wrong so that I could get my suicide right. But what happened is I accidentally reprogrammed my mind for success. Fast forward mm. a few years and I woke up and I was like, hang on a minute. I've been rebuilding my life. I've started another business. I'm in a, a really good place. I'm taking care of my body. I've been working out. I'm looking good. Like my, I can take my top off. I'm this is this is a really good place. Right. And then I looked back and tracked what I'd done to actually build that out consciously and then saw, ah, there's certain steps that I follow, there's certain things that clicked into place. And now I walk people through rebuilding a life that they want, one that they're deserved of, an abundant life that's got all of the things without all of the cost. And, and I, I really love to get to do that every day. Mm. So first of all, there's so much here, right? I love how you started out by saying, I almost settled in to settling. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, that was me. Mm. That was exactly me for so long in my corporate mm. career. When you described, you know, people being unhappy and I love that you had someone that was advocating for you. Mm-hmm. Like I actually, um, until you told me the why, I was like, why would his girlfriend leave him? But I, what I really hear is she was your champion. She saw more in you. She saw what you were capable of. Yeah. And I, we all need that, right? We all need a champion and a cheerleader. And we deserve a champion. We deserve exactly. one. Exactly. We deserve one. Absolutely. Or a coach, right? Who can see. Mm-hmm. Whoever it is. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, maybe you can't see, but doesn't let us settle into settling. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. And so we'd love for you to share with us, you know, what you learned on this journey <laughs> of yours, of this, you know, you obviously went through this really challenging time. And then looking back, you had this conscious awareness of what you had had done to mm-hmm. really ch- turn your life around. So we'd love for you to share that with the audience. Sure thing. Well, I just want to um, quickly touch on something as well, is that I specifically said deserving of, because there are things that we need that we don't allow ourselves to have. And there may be someone listening who has a champion in their life that they're not recognizing or not giving a voice. Mm. So, but when we settle into our deservingness of it, then we allow that loving energy to come in. We allow ourselves to be supported. And then we can actually start to see that support doing something. There are far too many people that have the opportunity to be supported that is being left on the on the road on the roadside. So I just wanted to just drop that in. But in no, terms and I of- actually not to interrupt you, but I actually couldn't agree with you more. And I think specifically for women, that is a big thing. We have so, you know. I think there are. We we all have champions in our lives mm-hmm. and we all have people that are supporting us. And as women, we feel like we need to give, give, give. And I think that if women can learn how to receive mm. and receive that support, receive that champion that's in your corner I, and know that you deserve it, I think that is a key inflection point for many women. I want to I ride on that for a second because I think that there's a lot to that. Um, especially because there are collective agreements or, you know, popular ideas, to, to put it in simple terms, are popular ideas that have taken root in our consciousness as people that I think have offered women in particular have been subjected to the dark side of energy coming in. I mean, look what's happening. Um, there's a, I think it's, I don't know if it's the UK. I think it's the UK. Yeah, it was the UK. There's been like this mad rush of attacks on women that's been happening. Mm -hmm. And so masculine energy, and I'm not talking about being a man, masculine energy, because feminine and masculine receiving and giving, they're two different energy points, is being wrapped up with the dark shadow of not being safe. When we look at what happened with the Me Too movement, it was being brought to light just how much masculine energy was being used. And again, it's not being a man or a woman, it's masculine energy pushing yes. down and forcing on people. So there's almost an energy of, of trauma that then becomes associated with allowing someone in because it doesn't feel safe. Juxtapose that with this forced idea that nurturing, which is a feminine energy, again, not masculine or not man or woman, mm-hmm. it's a feminine energy, is yep. being put into this thing where it's not nurturing unless you're giving all of yourself. You're not a good mom unless right. you do this. You're not a good wife unless you do this. You're not a good, good daughter unless you do this. You're not a good this or that. All of these ideas that mean that we end up moving, seeing beautiful light of feminine energy in women around the world being lost 
because they're burning out, giving and giving and giving. And then the only incoming energy that's held in a popular space is the dark side where it's overshadowing and forcing on. And so we get this really polluted, twisted polarity rather than the healthy balance of nurturing, yes, but allowing yourself to be filled up and supported. And I'd love to see that switching up and and being in more of a healthy balance. Mm. I love everything that you're sharing about that and agree with you that I love this concept that you're talking about. And I'm not sure if everyone really realizes that we all have masculine and feminine feminine energy energy. inside Mm -hmm. of us, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we we need that to be in a healthy balance, right? Sometimes that masculine energy is putting up boundaries, is being very decisive, is taking action, right? Um, And it counterbalances this ultra nurturing, sensitive part. And and we all have both and we really need to lean into both of those. Mm-hmm. So I love what you just shared. Yeah. They both have a role to play. They both have a role Absolutely. to play. Absolutely. And a conscious awareness of this is one of the things that really has been a part of my journey. Understanding that at different points, there's going to be intention, which is an outgoing mental masculine energy. Again, I'm not talking about men and women, just masculine. And then the surrender, the feeling, the knowing, which is a truly feminine energy and bringing those two together. The four-step model that I created as a result of this journey, um, which is the main subject of my my best-selling book, Stepping Beyond Intention, really looks at how do we consciously move through a cycle of actually introducing a goal, an intention and direction that we've got clarity on, and then how we can move towards that with more flow. So I'm not burning out. It's not costing me. I can have, I can be knowing of my deservedness of and I can move towards. But again, yeah, you know, going back to to the story, there were certain phases that I found to be common threads for myself. And now having, you know, worked with tens of thousands of people around the world in different, different formats, seeing common threads in where the results are had too. And that's first and foremost, recognizing the role of self-responsibility, self-agency. What's really interesting is that the, 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 he says, the thread underneath that, that the foundation to that in my work is something I call common denominator theory. And I didn't class the power of common denominator theory in a positive sense at first. It actually came again from my dark time. It was when I looked around and I realized that nobody else could ensure that I have my successful suicide except for me. Mm. I was the only one that could do it. Right. And, you know, fast forwarding 15 years or whatever, when I've spent more time looking back at this, it's even everything that I was running away from, no one and nothing else could have full responsibility for it except for me. The analogy that I always use with common denominator theory is if I've got 20 relationships, 20 different people, places or things, I can go and individually change everyone. I can try and force my will, right? Dark masculine energy, force my will. You will do it this way. You'll be that. You'll behave that way. You'll treat me this way so on and so forth, or if me as a common denominator in every single one of those situations changes, every single thing must change to some degree. If I set healthy boundaries, then everything that's boundary-driven as a challenge disappears. If I love myself, then I'm setting an example for what I'm going to allow into my experience. If I'm more loving to people, then guess what? I'm giving them the opportunity to show love back to me. But me changing me changes fundamentally the substance of every single thing in my life to varying degrees. Yes. And there'll be some going in and tweaking and setting some individual boundaries and say, but the general power that comes from that is epic. So when we start with looking at our life and saying, hang on a minute, as a common denominator, the most logical place to start is me. 
mm-hmm. because I'm present in everything, all of a sudden, a massive amount of power comes back to me for me to create change in my life on a grand scale. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. And yes. I, I mean, it's so, it's so true and it's so powerful. And it's interesting because where I start my coaching journey, where my business partner and I start our group coaching journey is all on personal awareness, personal Mm. leadership. And it's figuring out who are you? What do you want? Um, I just did a podcast episode on what do you want? Because so many people have a hard time answering that particular question. But what do you say for someone? You know, you, you talk about having this clear intention moving forward, but So many people, especially right now because of COVID, COVID's been a powerful pause for people. Mm -hmm. It's been a a time for people to reevaluate, redefine, reassess, and really redesign their lives. But people are really feeling really comfortable knowing what they don't want. Mm -hmm. But what do you say to those people that are like, I know I'm meant for something different than this corporate role, or my own business or whatever it may be. I know, or this relationship. I know I'm meant for something different, something more. I just don't know how to figure it out. Mm -hmm. What do you say to that person? So there's a book that I love. It's one of my five books that I live by. And it's called The Surrender Experiment by a chap called Michael Singer. And there's a particular line in this book that stuck me in the middle. The whole book's amazing. I did a whole surrender experiment of my own in 2018. And just a great book for anyone who's thinking about Developing more of a deeper level of trust with God, source, universe, whatever you want to call the bigger thing, right? And it says, you know, you're in trouble when the mind is telling you how to get to God. Mm. You know, you're in trouble when the mind is telling you how to get to God. And um, in fact, you know what? This might be from his other book, Untethered Soul, but definitely go and read this one, Surrender Experiment. It's my, my favorite. It's my favorite of his two books. But what really strikes me about that is oftentimes the mind is creating the problem that it then says, I'm going to have the solution for. And then the mind fails to have the solution to the problem that it created. And we say the problem can't be solved. Trying to figure out is a very cognitive mental process. And yet the truth of what we are really lit, lit up by, the truth of what we're really called for doesn't exist in the mind. The mind exists as a tool to help us bring it to pass. This here in the heart. Mm. There's an organization called the Heart Math Institute that's actually done a lot of science and they do a lot of research into this. The magnetic field of the heart is actually 10 times bigger than the brain. When we actually lead with the heart more than the mind, we're actually 10 times more effective at being in flow, being in a state of coherence and being able to make better decisions and to have more clarity. There's more clarity in the heart. There's also a lot of truth in the body. The body has a lot of truth in it also. But we spend all of this time trying to figure things out in the mind. I developed a very, very simple formula in order to understand with more clarity, maybe not the whole picture, but at least some get some clarity on what, you know, what's in the picture, what feels good and doesn't infringe on other people do what feels good to them also, or what feels good and does no harm. What do I procrastinate towards? What does my body and my heart lead me to when my brain goes into unconscious mode and stops trying to control things? What did I instinctively do as a child before the world told me who I am or what I'm supposed to be and what I couldn't be? I'm working with a woman at the moment who had a beautiful vision of running a particular type of business, but she spent her whole life being told it can't happen. And then she went off into a corporate career and much probably like some of the, the, the listeners here, ended up realizing this isn't for me. 
and now is looking for the way out. And yet, the truth was always there, but what existed on top of that truth was this story that I can't have it, I'm not worthy of it, it's not going to work for me. Now, there will be some practical considerations, okay? I'm five foot nine. If my dream was to play in the NBA, when I'm not that particularly sporty, (laughs) maybe there's going to be an issue there, okay? Maybe. I'm not really built for American football. I've seen that. Like, if that's my dream. (laughs) But here's the thing. We also start to allow the mind to tell us what something is supposed to look like in its manifested form. What if I was to allow myself to see what possibilities exist for me to express this thing that my heart wants to do based on where I am right now? I may not be able to do the whole thing. I may just pay some, you know, on the court basketball with friends on the weekend or join, you know, just go to a local sports center or find a way to perhaps work with this underprivileged kids where I get to play ball with them and do something. There may be a way for me to express the energy that wants to be expressed in that form. And when I stop trying to judge what it has to look like, right. I worked with a guy a couple of years ago and, you know, he had a midlife crisis and he was decided he's going to leave his job and just leave his job. No plan, but he's got two kids, two houses that he's got to pay mortgages on, like two cars, kids in private school. Let's calm down. Right. And look what's <laughs> right. underneath that. And what was underneath that is that he just needed to express himself. It turned out that music was a passion of his. Guess what? We ended up just pointing him towards expressing that by joining a band joining a band in his free time made him more present and available with the time that he was at home with his family gave him that fulfillment that allowed him to actually stay and thrive in his job mm-hmm. because he stopped saying what it had to look like so don't judge what it has to look like and just start asking what am i leaning towards what are my natural cravings for what I want in my life and start to explore what sits underneath it because it might not even be the actual thing the actual thing that you're looking at may just be what you've cognitively decided is the only way that it can be expressed but what am I leaning towards what feels good to me what's the emotional state that I need to be in in order to have that feeling what things are available to me where I am now to at least start moving towards that that will set you on your way I'm sure of it Uh, Dan I totally love everything that you just shared and when you talk about, you know, what energizes us as kids, thinking back to that. Also, what does our heart lead us towards? Mm-hmm. Um, so powerful. And I also love, what do I procrastinate towards? You know, so often we're thinking, I'm procrastinating from doing other things. And I love this concept, never heard of it before, around what are you procrastinating towards? And it's so powerful because when I think about what I do when I procrastinate, it's I'm doing stuff I love, you know, or stuff I need, like I need to rest. And so sometimes if I'm procrastinating, I'm actually resting or I'm turning off my brain and I'm just allowing myself to be. So I love that you shared that. And I also love this idea that you're right. It doesn't have to be what we expect it to be. It doesn't have to be a complete career shift, mm-hmm. right? I, I talk a lot about, I have a client who decided, you know, mid-life that she wanted to end her corporate career where she had, she was making a ton of money and all the perks and the golden handcuffs, essentially. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to become a chef. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a big transition. And so what she did is she started doing it on the side. She started cooking on the weekend. She started teaching kids how to how to cook and kids in the neighborhood. And then she kind of started doing it for the community center. And so it become it became a passion and a hobby. 
And then she would go to work on Monday, not dreading Monday, but knowing that that job allowed her the time and the space and the resources Mm -hmm. to do her hobby. Mm. And it it was interesting because it had this whole shift in her work life where she was much more engaged at work because she was looking forward to her her free time and mm. she wasn't she was much more energized and filled up by what she was doing so i love that you share that and there's something about the energy of resentment and the energy of resentment shows up for us a lot of the time when we're not doing what we want to do so because we're not doing what our heart wants that resentment builds up in the body and it starts to get directed at the things that are in so we see people having trouble in their marriages because they're resentful uh, resentment at kids because they've stolen their dreams or uh, the job right whereas when the energy of resentment doesn't exist because you actually are doing something that lights you up the energy dissipates in those other areas and maybe you can start to be more appreciative of them there's nothing wrong with having a job and there's a lot there's a big thing that's come up i think pardon me in the past couple of years around job shaming where people are doing their side house and pretending it's their main business it's not you've got a job and there's nothing wrong with that but we're making people wrong for doing like, oh, you know, just my nine to five, like shameful of it. The job is what's putting food on the table. It's keeping a roof over your head. It's allowing you to have health care, which is a big thing in the States, right? Yes. I'm from the mm-hmm. UK. We're we, we okay. We all get the NHS or whatever. But, um, but when you can start to dissipate that energy, you may find that even what you're called to do career-wise can change. And much like your client, she's like, hang on a minute. I don't need to go and... I can still have the family holidays. The kids can still go to the same school. We can still check and I can be happy. Yes. And actually I can start to appreciate my job. And then the energy I'm showing at the job shows up differently. My experience at the job shows up differently. Now, this isn't to say that there's anything wrong with walking away from the job, but I feel that all too often we lose sight of the fact that there are like responsibilities <laughs> that we've got. And taking care of those is important because the stress load that you're going to be in, if you haven't taken care of that, is not going to even allow you to enjoy this freedom that you've broken free to anyway, because you're going to have the stress of meeting those financial needs. And a lot of the people that we work with, uh, part and parcel of what we do is creating a life that facilitates you living what you want, including having the financial resources. So maybe you do want to live corporate. Okay, well, let's create the path to that, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater just yet. Let's not put ourselves into a space, into a state where we're not even going to be in, in a, a space that's conducive to enjoying that experience. Let's scale it down. I've got one lady that works with me from Australia and she's working towards being part-time at work and building up her investment portfolio and uh, her financial freedom so that she can eventually leave the job completely. But we are mm-hmm. injecting into her life things that she's passionate about, honoring the truth of who she is, speaking up, having boundaries, knowing that we've got a plan for her to get away from the job because it's really not what she wants to do. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, it absolutely makes sense. And I love that you use this example of this client because it, it's a great segue into mm-hmm. the next thing I wanted to talk to you about. It, you know, you, you talk in um, a lot of your um, social media and as well as the book around accepting power in all aspects of our lives. <laughs> and so with lo- I love this and mm-hmm. would love for you to just share with my listeners, you know, a little bit more about what that means, because especially women, we give up so much power. And I see this pattern with a lot of my female clients. We're so concerned what others think. We're so concerned about not speaking up in a meeting or saying the wrong thing or being criticized um, or coming across too strong or too aggressive or mm-hmm. too bitchy, right? Exactly. Or whatever it may be. 
Um, and so we actually don't accept or own, I think, a lot of the power that we have in all aspects of our lives. Um, so we'd love for you to just kind of share your thoughts on that. Sure thing. So I grew up in a house of a lot of women. So my mum, um, four sisters I grew up around full time, and then a lot of cousins. My family is very close knit, so our cousins are very, very close. So I, I probably, including the cousins that we grew up around, probably around 10 women and then um, just two brothers and then my nephew who was younger than me. So it's very, okay. very female led. And for the most part, very, very strong women also. And I, I got to witness how they were almost beaten down for being, you know, being too bitchy or, you know, or, you know, who does she think she is? Blah, 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 just for standing right. up for themselves. And I'm not, not taking away from the fact that there are, there is the shadow side to being strong that is just being yeah. nasty, right? We, we know the, the, the types, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they exist. But when the stories around standing up for yourself, around stepping into your power are, are only bathed in the darkness of the shadow side of it, then we don't get the opportunity to explore what it might mean. Standing up for yourself and being your power doesn't necessarily mean taking power away from others or even necessarily standing up to others. It could just be standing up for yourself, right? Being impeccable with your word to yourself, honoring the commitments that you've had for yourself, honoring the boundaries within yourself for yourself. What are you doing in terms of your immediate family unit? Let's leave the job alone. What's going on at home? Are you expressing your needs or are you just complaining and crying that your needs aren't being met? And this goes for both sides. This isn't just women, this is men, this is humans as a whole. Yep. But what I find time and time again, what I found time and time again is that for the most part, blame is about apportioning responsibility for a life to other people. Now, there are, of course, many, many situations, many, many instances, many, many scenarios where other people have introduced something into our environment that doesn't match what we desire. And we are then left holding the baby of that thing. I get it. But we can't control other people, but we do have agency over how we respond to what people bring into our life. We have the responsibility of setting the boundaries of who we let into our life and then culling those who demonstrate themselves not to meet the standard that we've set for our life. Mm -hmm. If someone does something bad, or that doesn't match what you want once, okay, maybe you didn't know, but you're aware now. Have you done something about it? Have you expressed to this person that doesn't meet the standard that I've set for my life? I'm sorry, but by Felicia or whatever that looks like, maybe you're giving the person a chance and then they do. Oh, I didn't know that and blah, 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 whatever it is. But have you voiced that? Because unless we are the one setting the standard, then it becomes a completely randomized exercise as to what makes its way in. Unless we are the one claiming the responsibility, then also where we go next is in other people's hands too, which we cannot control. Without even going down the rabbit hole of quantum entanglement and all of the things, just talking at a very rudimentary level, if other people are responsible, then how can I be singularly in my power and have the agency to go and do something about what I want to create? It becomes in other people's hands and then the results become in other people's hands too. Mm -hmm. Well, it's so powerful what you're saying because I think the biggest opportunity that I hear as you're sharing this is for women to really, it's like we, we, we blame or we say, you know, this was imposed on me, mm -hmm. but in doing so, like you said, we're not taking responsibility for our own agency. And in so many ways, we're not honoring ourselves. And if you're not, and if you're not honoring yourself, how can other people honor you? 
Exactly. <laughs> no, it's so true. It's so true. And I think so many women are, you know, kind of waiting or waiting in the sidelines. And there is this, this, it's around, you know, I think so many times people, women think, well, I'm fearful or whatever, but it is a really a way of honoring yourself. And that's really what I took away what you, uh, what you were saying. So what do you think are the, the true keys to fulfillment, joy, and purpose? I know you talk a lot about this and <laughs> also curious to kind of hear your thoughts on that. Purpose, I think, is not trying to make it some big thing that has to be there forever, but just what feels right right now, because purpose can be a fluid thing. When I actually write about this uh, in my book, The Dreamer's Manifesto, I talk about what I call the dream, which is the overarching thread that I am in the tapestry of life, right, of humanity as a whole. And that thread may have different colors, or it may play a different role in the tapestry, but it's still an important role, because without me, then the picture is incomplete. But I'm not moving into a space of inaction because I'm so caught up waiting for this one singular thing to happen. It's just like, drop it, drop the importance levels on it being this massive, big thing. We're not all here to cure cancer as well. Right. We're not all here to cure cancer. Right. We're not all here to start a a, a shattering movement, but some of us are. And one of my coaches um, was doing a session and this was just when COVID began. And she shared a story that, she was got, she's in New York and you know, New York was pretty, pretty locked down for a while. And, um, she was going down in within there was a certain window that she could go to the supermarket to get her groceries or whatever. And she chose the early window because she just wanted to get in and get it done. And there was a, a checkout lady, a lady at the checkout who was there. We're talking about something like five o'clock in the morning, four thirty in the morning, some silly ungodly hour that Trish was going okay. to do this. And, um, this woman every morning was just smiling and happy and asking, oh, what are you cooking with this? And it conversing with Trisha and really lighting her up. This is a checkout worker, not someone that we actually would think is doing that great a job. But if everybody was starting off their day with that smile during a time that was so dark and so challenging, that could be the difference maker. More teens committed suicide last year than died from COVID-19. I want that to settle in. Mental health has been at an all-time high. And yet it's people that are doing these seemingly insignificant jobs, right? These seemingly insignificant tasks that have the capacity to have the biggest impact on people by simply being kind and being loving. You may not be here to cure cancer. You may just be here to smile. And if you were just to understand how important, how something seemingly insignificant they feel called to do might be to change somebody's life, that might just be the thing that allows you to stand up and go and do it. And if you're going through life from that space, more open to knowing that everything that I have to offer, everything that I am, does have a unique role, the lens through which you're seeing your world, the lens through which you're moving through your life will shift. And then these questions might not even be so important at the end of the day because you've been too busy living your life and sharing your life with the world. Uh, I love I love what you just shared, Dan. It's so powerful. And I'm reminded, I think I've shared this on the podcast before. I used to travel all the time for my corporate role. Mm-hmm. And um, I would travel in and out of Chicago O'Hare Airport consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, great in the summer and the spring, not so great in the winter. <laughs> and there were so many times my flights were delayed and I was itching to get home to see my kids and it was like five hour delay 10 hour delay sleeping in the airport because all the hotels are filled up and it was just you know 
I was often not in a great mood when I was in the Chicago O'Hare airport. And someone had, you know, a pretty, what I would think is a mundane job of directing people when they came up the escalators to the tram to get to the rental car area. It was just, you know, the sign is that way, tram is that way, right? And you see most people in most airports just doing it that way. And there was one gentleman who I will never forget. He still has this impact on me that he would literally sing. He would (laughs) sing almost this operatic, like he would sing opera and he had this entire crowd around him. People were smiling. People who had obviously, like myself, been frustrated Mm -hmm. and annoyed at delayed flights He created so much love and so much energy and so much happiness telling people how to get to the rental car area Mm -hmm. and just directing people through the airport because he took what he was doing and he he made it a happy moment for other people. Mm. And it stuck with me so deeply because we all have that opportunity. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to show up that way, but he chose in the role that he was in to show up differently every day. Mm. And it made such a beautiful impact. It did. I can hear it in your voice. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> yeah. It was just, it changed, it changed, literally changed my day every time mm. I saw him. And it, it turned my, my, it just shifted me from this place of being frustrated and grumpy to like, you know what? This is the journey I'm on. This is where I'm at. I can enjoy this moment despite what's going on in my circumstances mm, right now. And how many people have got a song inside of them that they don't think is big enough or grand enough and they're not singing and the crowd are waiting to hear it? Oh, yes. Mm. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So kind of being on the other end of mm-hmm. your journey now, um, being older with a family and success mm-hmm. and living in Cabo in a, in a wonderful business, I'm curious, what is advice that you would give to your younger self from where you are now? Mm. I always love to answer this based on where I'm at right now. I I love not to give a canned response. I'm just going to feel into that right now. Based on where I'm at right now, don't take everything so seriously. (laughs) Yeah. And what does that mean for you? I mean, none of us are getting out of this thing called life alive. None of us are. And when we even look at a lot of the stress and the the inability to deal with what's been happening with COVID-19. It's the sheer, you know, I'm not a scientist, I don't want to get into the science of it, but the, the fact that it's everywhere in our faces, we're always hearing about it. And regardless of, I know some people like to quote about, it's only 0.1% mortality rate. It doesn't really matter. Okay, we leave that aside. The fact is, it has the capacity to take your life and everybody's talking about it. That means that mortality and our potential end is here, front and center at all times. You can't switch on the news. You can't even like a picture on Instagram without somebody saying it. Like they've got the (laughs) the fact checkers underneath. We've checked this. We're not really sure if it's the truth or whatever the thing is. But we're, we're all going to die. But it's not something that we think about. It's not something that we face. The mortality, like all of us, but we think it's morbid for us to reflect on the fact that our story is always going to end. Now, we end up placing that level of importance on a lot of the things in our life. There are more things in our life that we cognitively connect to death, losing, sports, right? 
being dumped, right? All of these things, having a, a failure or success in our business, they feel life or death to us because we find the chemicals and hormones in our body to be very similar to that point of mortality. However, when you could just come to terms with the fact that, yeah, and that's going to happen at some point, and I never know when it's going to happen. I mean, look at the sad story. I don't know if you saw what happened with um, Alec Baldwin. I think he was on a, a set and yeah. accidentally killed someone I, I, with a prop. Yes, it wasn't like I, he was drunk yes. and firing a real gun. It was a prop and somebody died. Right, right. And that person woke up. He woke up that day not knowing that was going to happen to him. And the person that he accidentally killed didn't no had no idea that was going to be their no last idea. day. So what if I lived each day? And I know there's a cliche behind this, but but juxtapose that with what we just said what if i lived each day really cognitive of the fact that i've only really got this moment that i am in right now to sing my song i've only got this moment that i'm in right now to explore as much of this thing that we call life as possible whether it's a matrix to you whether it's a three-dimensional construct whether it's a divine created manifested what reality vortex whatever it is i've only got right now this moment that i'm in a meteor could come out of the sky. There could be a look at what happened with um, the tsunami that hit Southeast Asia 20 years ago, whenever it was. People were just on holiday. They maybe were taking right. a break from their corporate job and taking the kids to them. And then boom. Yeah. I have now. And there's something beautiful to that. And if I allow myself to be present to that beauty and show up in this moment, asking myself, what can I do that feels good? And does no harm to others. What can I do that makes me feel really fired up about my contribution to that tapestry that we call life? That's what I'd say to my younger self. Such beautiful words, Dan. I love it. You're a beautiful soul. Um, the, the podcast is all around putting insight into mm -hmm. action. So as we close out our conversation today, we'd love for you to maybe just share one mm -hmm. thing that would be helpful for people based on everything we talked about today that just one thing that my listeners could put into action today, tomorrow, this week, that would help them move forward in their lives. Go and identify what that feel good thing is for you. Go and identify. Spend the next week just making, so we keep gratitude journals. Keep a journal at the end of the day. What fired me up today? At what points in my day today did I actually feel something sem resembling happiness or joy? And what was I doing? what my thought process is. Do that for a week. And then the next week, ask yourself at the beginning of the day, how can I bring more of those things into my life today? Well, Dan, you've brought more of that into my life today. Um, <laughs> I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Likewise. Thank, thank you, you so much. I uh, really appreciate you being here. And um, I'll have all of your connection information in the show notes, as well as the information on how to purchase your book. So oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, happy to share that with my listeners. And um, just thank you so much for sharing, sharing yourself with my listeners today and with me. It's been my pleasure. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, 
Don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now. Oh, 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 oh,